0: Amen. It's good to be here. Everybody have a good Christmas? Get what you wanted? Doesn't matter. If you got something, you're good, right? If you didn't get anything, you're still good. So a few months ago, a pastor was preaching a series on the Holy Spirit. In the middle of one of his sermons... God just dropped in my heart a message for the future. He didn't tell me when or how or what. We'll get me straightened out. I'm different than he is voice wise. So anyway, he gave me the message that I have for you today. And I've just kind of held on to it. I've been excited and I knew God would bring it about in his timing. And what I want to talk to you this morning is about following the Holy Spirit. Pastor gave us a great series on the Holy Spirit But I want to emphasize today, following him, listening to his voice, following his leading in our day-in and day-out lives. One of the greatest scientists of our time was Albert Einstein. Einstein was a man who spent a lot of his energy focused on his scientific theories. And there was one day he was taking a trip on the train, and he was engrossed in his his, uh, notes and things, he was going to a speaking engagement, and had his briefcase open and papers scattered about, even in his seat in the train. And the conductor came up and to punch his ticket. And the uh, conductor stopped beside him, and Einstein started looking for his ticket, and he couldn't find it, and he was getting a little frustrated. And the conductor said, it's okay, Dr. Einstein, I, I know who you are. I know you got a ticket, just don't worry about it. And the conductor walked on down the row of the train, and he looked back, and Einstein was still looking for his ticket. He was looking under the seat. He was ruffling through his papers. The conductor came back to him. He said, Mr. Einstein, it's fine. I, I, I know you have a ticket. Don't worry about it. I know who you are. Einstein looked up at the conductor, and he says, I know who I am too, but I don't know where I'm going. He knew the destination was on his ticket. There are many of us that don't know where we're going, either in this life or the next, because we're not following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so we're just wandering around. Two texts today, Romans 8, 14 is my first one. It says, for all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. All who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. So if you are led, you're a son. I think that goes conversely. If you're a son, you should be being led. And Galatians 5.25 says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So if we're going to live by the Spirit leading us, we need to keep in step. We need to follow. We need to be following His leading. When I was a child growing up, I would follow my father. But... He would stop from time to time and he would turn around and he would say, walk up here with me. He wanted me to walk beside him. One day I think he was particularly annoyed because he stopped and turned around and said, you're not a puppy. Get up here. (laughs) My father's idea of following him was walking beside him. I believe that's the picture that our Heavenly Father has for us with the Holy Spirit. We follow the Spirit, but He wants us walking with Him in conjunction, in tandem, beside Him. My first point is there's biblical examples of people being led by their flesh. Modern day Christians have no question as to whether or not the Holy Spirit led heroes in the Bible. But, People become a little suspicious in our present day when they hear people saying, well, the Spirit led me to do this, or the Spirit led me to do that, or a particular thing. But our text this morning says what? These are the sons of God, meaning that the ones who are led by the Holy Spirit are his sons. And so by following the Spirit's leading in our personal life, we show that we are true sons. The Bible describes two kinds of life and two ways to live. You are either in the flesh or you are in the spirit. And you either walk according to the flesh or you walk according to the spirit. The sinner lives in the flesh and walks according to the flesh. The the Christian lives in the spirit and ideally walks according to the spirit. But the Bible gives us plenty of examples of saints who were saints, but they walked according to the flesh. And here are a few of them. Adam, Adam eats the forbidden fruit, act of the flesh. Abraham, God promised him a son, but it took so long, he slept with the maid. We're still paying for that consequence. The Israelites refused to enter the promised land. There's giants, they're scary, they're big. God says, I'm bigger. They said, no. And they wandered around, and they missed out. King Saul. King Saul always thought he could do something better. God said, wipe out the Amalekites, even down to the last donkey. King Saul thought he would save some back for sacrifice. It was a better idea. And we see that God moved away from Saul. David, in a moment of faithless insecurity, has the army counted. God told him, never count the fighting men, because God always fights for you. And David got, he got scared, and he counted the fighting men. The consequence was 70,000 Israelites died. James and John, they were given the nickname Sons of Thunder. Jesus had commissioned the 12, sent them out to preach, They had come back, and he was kind of debriefing them, talking with them. James and John are upset because they had been rejected in one of the cities, and they wanted to pray down fire and brimstone on the city for rejecting the gospel. He's like, hey, the Old Testament prophets used to do it. Let's do it. And Jesus is like, that's not the way, guys. Jesus tells the disciples he has to die, and Peter tells him, that's a bad idea. And we hear the most famous rebuke in the Bible. Get thee behind me. (laughs) Paul, before he's Paul, is Saul, the Pharisee, and he persecutes the Christians. He thinks it's a good idea to keep Judaism pure and clean, and he's going to get rid of these Christians, and he's so zealous about it. But later, he understands that he was moving in the flesh, and he calls himself I, Am the chief of sinners. He recognizes his place. And lastly we see Peter. In his own fear of foreign people. He draws back from the Gentiles. God had given him a powerful vision. A powerful vision to interact. And it was okay for him to interact with the Gentiles. Because what? No longer was anything unclean. And yet. There's a situation where Peter and Paul are interacting with the Gentiles, and Peter pulls back, and Paul gets in his face and tells him, you're clearly wrong, not simply misguided or, or confused. Paul's like, I'm putting in this in the Bible so everybody sees you're wrong. Ouch. So what's the common thread running through these good and bad deeds done by godly and ungodly people? In each case, the person seemed to do what they thought was right to them at the time. It seemed right to them at the time. It was a good idea. Years ago, I was starting my counseling practice and spending time coming up with how do you do this, how do you do that, as you're trying to build that. And I remember coming home and sharing with my wife, what I thought was a good idea. And she said a simple thing years and years ago that stuck with me ever since then. She goes, that is a good idea. But is it a God idea? Oh. Yeah, I guess I need to pray a little more about that. Where's the spirit leading? Where's he going? The hallmark of flesh-based living is what? doing what we think is right. But really, that's being independent of God or walking by sight. But the Bible also gives us many examples of people who are led by the Spirit. From Elijah, David, Elisha, many others, we see people that hear God's voice and obey and follow through. Luke 2, verses 25 through 28, tells us a story of a man named Simeon. Simeon, it says, behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And so this is a devout man. This is a man who's worshiping God, following God, and God is moving in his life in a powerful way, and that the Holy Spirit is upon him, and it's recognized And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So God promised him, you won't die until you've seen the Messiah. Now, we don't know how old he is, but that makes us to the assumption, this guy's probably pretty old. Because he's waiting, and God said, you get to wait until it happens. Verse 27, then he came to the Spirit in the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then he took him up in his arms and blessed him and said, Blessed is God, for I have seen our salvation. So we see this man who's led by God's spirit to the point where God says, Hey, go to the temple today. I imagine God had told him that many times in the past. There's times he would be there, and he'd be observing the crowds and looking around, and probably particularly anybody that had a child that they were bringing for that eighth-day ceremony. And yet on this day while he's there, God goes, that's the one. That's the one. Those who are led by the Spirit are always in the right place at the right time. Peter and John boldly declared the gospel, even in the face of persecution. The Spirit emboldened them. There is a situation in Acts 4, verses 8 through 13. It says, Then Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the peoples and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God has raised from the dead, by him this man is standing well before you. This Jesus is a stone that is rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated, common men. They were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So Peter and John are led first to pray for this. There was a crippled man. He's healed. And then they're called to account by the teachers. Wait, how did you do that? And so they explain. But they recognize Peter's a fisherman. He's not one of the elite in in Jerusalem. He's not a Pharisee or a teacher of the law. And yet he just gives them an eloquent answer in terms that they understand. He speaks to them at their level and in their language. And they're looking at him, scratching their heads going, he's a fisherman. Why? Because those who are led by the Spirit are given the words to say. God promises us that when we get into situations, He will give us the words to say. The Spirit will guide us and direct us and prompt us. We don't have to lean on our own understanding. We simply have to listen in that moment. Another example in the Bible is Philip. Acts chapter 8 tells us a story that Philip is preaching in Samaria and having great results Now, it's interesting, the Samaritans, we know, were hated by the Jews, and there was a long-standing friction between them. And Jesus really had laid the foundation even before Philip had gotten there when we see him cutting through Samaria, stopping at the well, meeting the woman at the well, and telling her about living water. She goes back into town and tells everyone about Jesus. They come out, and they also respond to that message. So now we see years down the road, Philip is preaching in Samaria, having great results. And yet in the middle of this revival, the spirit says, hey, I want you to go over here on this deserted road, stand by the road and just wait. Makes a lot of sense, right? Not for us. We're like, there's good things happening. I got to, you know, I got to do this. But the spirit says, no, put that on hold. Go over here and just stand by the road. Why? It says an Ethiopian eunuch, who historians say that he was a high official to one of the queens in Ethiopia. He had her ear. He was coming back from Jerusalem, and with him he had the scroll of Isaiah. And Philip noticed him reading, and Philip simply said, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And the, the eunuch goes, no. So he invites Philip to join him in the chariot. Philip explains to him in Isaiah the passage's reading is about the Messiah. And so Philip says, this is about Christ. And he explains Christ to the eunuch, who at that point gets saved. They stop. He actually gets baptized, probably in a pool of water near the road. And he goes on his way. But the scripture says, but at this point, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more. So Philip's in revival. The spirit says, leave the revival, leave your success. Go over here and stand by the road that's deserted. He has this encounter with the eunuch. The gospel is now taken by this eunuch back to Ethiopia. And Philip then is whisked away to another place to continue to preach. People who are led by this spirit go where their spirit says, even when it doesn't make sense. Amen. It doesn't always make sense to us, but God always knows what he's doing. Paul, in Acts chapter 16, we see that the Holy Spirit forbade Paul from going to preach in Asia. Now, did God want the gospel preached in Asia? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mark 16, 15, Jesus gives us the command, go into the wor- all the world preaching to every creature. God wants the gospel everywhere, but there's nothing wrong with preaching there. But the thing was, God had a different place he wanted Paul to go. He didn't want Paul to go there. He had someplace else to send him. And so the Holy Spirit, Paul, Paul and you, you can just tell Paul's wrestling because he's like, I wanted to go, but the Spirit forbade me. He prevented me. It wasn't like a simple nudge. Paul was running into resistance in the Spirit because God had another place he wanted to lead him. So it's simple. The principle for us is people who are led by the Spirit obey the Holy Spirit. Jesus was certainly led by the Spirit. In Luke 4, verses 1 and 2, they say, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, Returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by the devil matthew four one also says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, so Jesus is always our example for everything he depended on the Father for everything he did upon earth. The Father led him, the spirit was with him, powering him, leading him, guiding him, strengthening him, even Leading him into something that we would look at. Well, why did he have to be tempted? I mean, for what did? He, couldn't he just skip that part? I'd want to. I mean, we're in the middle of the holiday season. The thought of going 40 days without food. I mean, I'm just trying to cut back on the chocolate, right? <laughs> and all the treats. So... The Spirit leads Jesus just as he'll lead us. But it may not always be to something we want, but we will always be successful because the Spirit's going to lead us there. So these are just a few examples of people in the Bible being led by the Holy Spirit. So does God still lead people today in the same way? Until you can find for me a verse that says he doesn't, he does. Because there aren't any verses that say, well, this is ended, or he doesn't do that anymore. It was just back then. There's no verses that say that. The God is the same yesterday, today, and into the future. So how does the Holy Spirit speak to us? You know, the Bible gives us small glimpses here and there along the way. It may be a still small voice, or a vision, or a dream. Believers talk about a knowing, it's just something I know, or they talk about a feeling that's impressed upon them. I believe the Bible is intentionally vague about how the Spirit speaks to us because we like lists. If God gave us a list of this is how you hear the Spirit, and somebody over here heard it a different way, we'd be like, no, nope, that's not it, it's not on the list. Isn't that true? Sure it is. Can't God speak to someone in a new way? Absolutely. Jesus rocked the world of them because God was speaking to them in a new way. They were stuck in their tradition. And he said, no, you follow the form of the law, but you deny the whole spirit of it. And He turned the world over. Well, how can, why would we limit God? God is individual. He will speak to each of us in ways that we recognize it's his voice. The way he speaks to one person may not be the same way he talks to another. Why? Because he's personal Amen. and he's not limited. My mom passed away a few years ago and we drove out as a family for the, the funeral and when we hit town, and I have two older sisters, they were, one lives there and the other coming to town, and of course we're all hungry, so we decide, let's go out and eat. Well, we're, we're trying to figure out where to eat, and we're driving, and we're talking on the phone, well, what about here, what about there, and we just finally ended up at Denny's. They had a room in the back, we could all sit there together as family and get some nourishment, just kind of console one another and work through the plans that you know you have to do and that and all of a sudden, in, in the middle of, of that, this couple shows up. They were friends of my sister's. They had been an old employer for them. He was a dentist, and my sisters had worked for him for several years, and they were close friends. And we're looking at them like, how did they find us in the back room at Denny's? When well, in the conversation, one of them said, well, we got your text. It said you were going to Denny's. Well, I didn't send them any text. Talk with my sisters, like, we didn't send them any text. We didn't tell anybody. We were talking on the phone, driving around. We decided and we went in. We didn't tell anybody where we were going. For some reason, the Holy Spirit wanted them there to console one of my sisters. They were good friends. They were somebody she could lean on. And I believe God sent them a text. He gave them the message, hey, the Spirit led them to be there for her at that time. If that wasn't on the list of things of how the Holy Spirit leads, we'd have to, well, I can't do that. God's not surprised with technology, and He's not limited by it either. So my next area to talk about is what are some hindrances? What are some things that are holding you back in being led by this Spirit? Deuteronomy 1:8 says. See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land the Lord swore he would give to your fathers. This verse here identifies what prevents us from being successfully led by the Spirit. Moses is reminding the people of what God has spoken to them before they enter in. He's urging them to trust God's promise and to advance on the promised land. It's interesting that God says two things at first glance that contradict each other. The first thing he says is, I've given you this land. And then the second thing is, go in and take possession of it. Well, God, which is it? You gave it to us or we have to go get it? They kind of contradict. Make up your mind. The way of faith, though, is a resounding yes to both. He has given it to us, and we do have to possess it. We do have to take it. The answer is yes to both. We learn to be led by the Spirit when we realize that both of those realities are true. Two hindrances that the Israelites had that we can relate to today. There's that clear promise, but there's no action. And usually, no action is based on fear. God's promise is something. We've discerned the leading of the Spirit, but we don't act or we refuse to take possession of it because we're afraid. We don't move in responding to that promise because we doubt God's competence, His wisdom. We doubt He's going to come through for us. We hear God say, I've given you this land. But we refuse to cross the Jordan and take possession. We just sit and wait for something to happen. And that's what had happened to Israel years before. God had said, go take the land. They sent spies into the land. The spies came back. They said, The land is awesome. There's these grapes that are huge and milk and honey, and it's a wonderful land, but they're giants. They're big. They're fortified. They're strong. God had given them the promise, but they focused on the fear. And that fear spread through the people of Israel to the point where they would not cross the Jordan. So they had to spend the next 40 years wandering in circles. God's leading, but they did not possess. There's people that are wandering in their spiritual life. The Spirit has led, but they are refusing to take the action that they need to on their part, and they're just wandering. You need to ask yourself at times, if you feel like you keep going around the same mountain, what am I not learning? God, what are you trying to show me? I'm missing something here because I don't like walking in circles. It's easy for us to fall in that trap. The second hindrance is there's no promise, but people work at taking possession. They don't have the promise about it, but they're going to go in and possess the land. That is the work of the flesh. That is our flesh working out. We're tempting to take what God hasn't promised to us. It would be like the Israelites saying, hey, God's promised us Canaan, but, you know, let's go back and get Egypt too. It's pretty nice there. We'll just, we'll just take it all. That would have been failure because God didn't say to do that. No word from the Lord, but it seems like a good idea. We can see a lot of people in the flesh, quote, taking the land, but it doesn't really come to anything. They have a lot of passion, excitement, and fervor, but they're really not moving in a specific response that God has sent them in. And so really, they're just operating in the flesh. Flesh is a word that the Bible uses to name what humans do in their own strength. So flesh is what we think we can accomplish in our own intelligence and our own power. King Saul was pretty much the poster boy for flesh. God would tell him something, and he would always think he had a better way to make it happen. I'd alluded earlier to when God had said to kill the Amalekites. Saul said, well, I'll just keep the best animals for sacrifices. God likes sacrifice. That's a good deal. And we see the verse when Samuel comes to him and says... Obedience is better than sacrifice. Saul hadn't learned to follow, and lead, to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. He always thought he could improve upon it. He could tweak it a little bit. Spirit-led people don't try to improve what they're led to do. Now there's another Saul. Another example of living in the flesh is Saul from the New Testament before he became Paul, we see that this new cult springing up and Saul is zealous to stamp out these Christians and he takes it upon himself to round them up, to persecute them. We see him having some putting in prison, some like Stephen and others are stoned, put to death. He got Jerusalem cleaned out so well, he gets permission to move on to Damascus. Paul is so zealous in his own flesh of what he's doing, and he's sure he's right, even though he's not heard from God, that Jesus has to come and knock him off his horse, blind him, just to get his attention. Now, I hope we're not that stubborn. But there's times what? God will come up and intervene in our lives to get our attention. Hey, you're missing the boat. That wasn't me. That's you. And we see that experience that happened to Saul. We can be all about doing something for God, and we're so busy doing awesome stuff for God that we're not paying attention to where the Spirit's leading. That makes it, to me, even more impressive that Philip, in the middle of a revival, hears God to leave it and go do something else. That just blows my mind to be in that tune and that obedience. So when we have a clear promise and when we have the action that we're taking possession, that equals faith. Fear and flesh, not good. Those are hindrances. But you have a clear promise and you're hearing the Spirit lead you and you take action. That is faith. God has shown us the way and we move out in His way and His time. That is faith. Jericho is a great example. We see that God told them, when you cross the Jordan, you're going to take on Jericho first. And so the Israelites said, okay, we'll do it. They crossed the Jordan. They come up to Jericho. Now, most of us would start planning the battle. Well, we can do a siege. Maybe we can sneak up at night or, you know, what can we do here? They stopped and inquired of the Lord again. They stopped and they prayed, all right, God. You told us we need to fight them. How do you want us to do it? We usually only get part of the thing, and then we'll just fill in the gaps. God, I'll help you out. I I can make the plans. I'm competent at that. No, they stopped, and they listened. And God gave them a battle plan, a strategy. I want you to walk march around the city. Really, God? A parade? Whatever it takes. So they march around once a day for seven days. And then God mixes it up. It gets really complicated. Okay, on the seventh day, walk around seven times. All the while singing and praising God. The Spirit led them. They followed through with the actions. And then we see things happen. I used to love study biblical archaeology. And the archaeologists found when they were digging up Jericho... That the walls hadn't just crumbled and fallen down, they had fallen down flat in a way that people from the outside could just march right in. Interesting. I'm going, yep, that sounds about like God. (laughs) Yeah. When we take the activity to respond to God's word, we cause that power to be released He tells us to go, we move, and then it's released. Jesus required activity in response to his promises. We see over and over Jesus saying things like, your faith has healed you. Go and wash in the pool. He required action on their part. We see when the paralytic is lowered through the roof by his friends, Jesus simply talks to him. He says, it says he forgave him of his sins, and then he gives him a command. Take up your mat and go home. The guy could only, I mean, it's like a cruel joke. He's paralyzed. What do you mean, take up your mat and go home? Why did you at least say, you're healed? Rise. I mean, doesn't that make sense? No. Take up your mat and go home. The guy's just laying there. But something stirred in him that he began to move some of those atrophied muscles. He made initiative to line up with what the Spirit was leading. And he rose up, rolled up his mat, and left. That is how we're obedient to the Spirit. We live a life led by the Spirit step by step. When we want the Holy Spirit to lead us into a deeper understanding He's going to start with a deeper understanding of God's Word. The Spirit is never going to lead us into anything that contradicts what God has already written. One thing that drives me crazy is a counselor. No names. We're okay. But I have people in my office who are like, I found my soulmate. I hate that term, first off. It's, it's so pop psychology. I found my soulmate. Problem is, you're already married. There's a a small problem here, okay? First, you shouldn't have been looking, right? And two, it's not changing the fact you're already married. Not following the Spirit's leading, okay? God is never going to lead you. Well, then I kind of missed the part. Then they're telling me, you know, like, I really think God's leading me in this. And I'm like, no, he's not. Can't find me a verse that says that. In fact, you're contradicting everything he's already written down. So, the Spirit's going to first off lead us into a deeper understanding. John sixteen thirteen, Jesus said, When the Spirit of truth has come, He will guide you into all truth, through the Word and through the Spirit, but it will be truth. You can also expect the Holy Spirit to lead you to put to death the works of the flesh. We started off with what? Those that are led by the Spirit are sons of God. So you're either led by the Spirit or you're led by the flesh. So if I'm led by the Spirit, I'm putting to death the flesh. Paul says what? I crucify myself daily. Paul was talking about what? I have to put that stuff down. And there's times that we have to really wrestle to come out as victors. You can also expect the Holy Spirit to lead you out of your comfort zone. We all like everything just so. We all have our habits. We all have our, our routines. But God is going to lead you into something else at times. He's going to rock your boat. He's going to change it up. He's going to ask you to do something. We're going to be scratching our head going, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. I don't want to say that. I don't, I don't like that person. I don't interact. Whatever it might be, he's going to get us out of our comfort zone. Following him step by step is a walk of faith. And I say it this way because the walk of faith starts with one step. And there's times that first step's the hardest one to take. One of my favorite movies is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. In that he and his father are searching for the Holy Grail. And Indiana, of course, being Indiana Jones, goes through all of the obstacles and figures his way out. And he gets to this last test. And there's a chasm between where he is and there's a small cave on the other side. Now, of course, we all know that the cave has the grail in it, right? Sure. So he's got to get across there. So he gets his whip out and he looks around. There are no trees. It's, it's a canyon. There's nothing that he can latch his whip onto and swing across. And So he's looking around and... His father gave him a little book that had instructions in it of how to beat all the obstacles. And this one it says the man of faith will take a step. He's like the man of faith will take a step a step of faith a step of oh no step of faith. So it's hilarious. So Indiana Jones closes his eyes and he takes a step. And as he steps out he stops seemingly in midair. He looks down He's looking around, takes another step, and it's solid. There was a perfectly painted board across the chasm, painted to match the chasm. Of course, being Indiana Jones, he's got sand in his pouch. Don't ask me why I carry sand. But he throws it out on the board, and it all kind of comes to light, so now he can see where to walk. There's times I believe the Spirit leads us like that. He's like, just take that first step. I don't know the destination. I don't always know how I'm going to get there, but I just have to be obedient to take the first step. Now, I do know it's always going to end well. I didn't say it's going to end easy or end cleanly or all those things. It's going to end well because God does all things well. It may be difficult for me to get there, but I don't go there alone. So when you're following the leading of the Holy Spirit, God is going to bless you and He's going to bless others because of your obedience And wrap it up today I'm going to have Steve come and play something and I'm going to ask pastor and some of the prayer team to come and stand around front. I'm going to have, in a sense an altar call for two different types of things. first, if you're a believer and God is challenging you to be led by the Spirit. And you want prayer that you'll be obedient or that you'll act through, you'll, be, you'll follow through. Or if you're a believer that you've just kind of been doing your own thing. And you want to go into 2021 listening to what God has you to say. Come up and find ways to pray with you. They'll agree with you. They'll encourage you. They'll help you take that next step. You know, we've all been led by the Holy Spirit. And if you're a Christian, here's the way it progresses. The Holy Spirit, first off, illuminated God's word to you. Whether it was a preacher or teacher, even words from a song, somewhere along the line, you heard the word of God, and the Holy Spirit illuminated that to you. Then, the Holy Spirit led to a place to make a judgment of your life. How does my life measure up against what God says it should. And the Holy Spirit led you to a place where you realized I'm out of balance. I'm wanting what I measure my life against what God has for me. And then the Holy Spirit led you to a place of that conviction for your sin. Then the Holy Spirit led you to understand that Jesus was the perfect sinless Son of God and it's only through Him that we have forgiveness for our sins. If you're a Christian, you've already been walking and led by the Spirit. If you're not a Christian, the Spirit's still speaking to you. And that process I just described is where He wants to take you. He wants you to hear His voice, to obey it, so that you have a relationship with God, not simply for here on earth, but for eternity. Stand with me this morning. So as we're going to sing and worship a little bit, if you want prayer for either of those two things, or you just need prayer at all, these people are here to pray with you, to encourage you, to strengthen you, to help you in the next step of your faith.
1: your affections are for me and oh how he Realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for. And oh, how he loves us so. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us so. loves us so Oh, how He loves us How He grace in his eyes if grace is an ocean we're all sinking and heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss and my heart turns violently inside of my chest and I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I
2: you, but we're all human here, right? We all have those moments that faith rises up and we follow the leading of the Spirit and we step out and we see God do great things, then we all also have those boneheaded moments that we get a little too much into the flesh and we do something that seems good to us. You know, what we heard today was so accurate and so right. Some of the most beautiful moments I've ever had in my life was when I truly followed the leading of the Spirit, even when it made no sense. Well, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Sometimes to get where He's leading us, we have to go through some junk. But I will promise you this. Every time I have followed his leading, even through the mess of the junk, when I get to the other side, I'm like, that was so worth it to be where I'm at now. Because he wants what's best for us. And we get, you know what? Do you ever notice in the Bible that the miracles don't happen during seasons where everything was just perfect there was always a challenge there was always some obstacle that needed to be overcome there was always some circumstance where it seemed like there was absolutely no way out even the miracle of the Red Sea they had an army on one side They had a sea behind them and the desert everywhere else. It was a no-win situation. Do you know what the cool thing is about our God? Is He will even suspend His own laws of physics if that's what it takes to get His purpose accomplished when we yield to His Spirit. So whatever you're, you're facing, whatever, if you're... If you're here, maybe there's something in your life that's going on, you're like, I just don't know and maybe you feel like God is calling you in a direction, calling you to do something and you just don't know and you just have that moment where you're like Dude, can I pick up my foot and put it down? You know, he was talking about at Indiana Jones I, I my mind kind of went to Peter when he stepped out of the boat kind of a similar thing you know to have the faith to obey what the Lord was saying and put your foot down on the water and expect it to stick. God leads us. And especially during these times, if we could just get our eyes off the circumstances and get our eyes on what the Spirit is saying, if ever there's a time where the church needs to rise up and to be the church and begin to walk in faith again, this is the time that we're in. Because He does still perform the miracles. He does still make a way where there seems to be no way. And He leads us. And if we will just listen and follow that voice, then we will come out where we need to be. Father, I thank you for each person that is here today, for those that watched online and those that listened to this this message. Lord, we we do. We fight a battle every day. We're either listening to our flesh or we're listening to your spirit. Lord, I pray that you'd help us. Because there's so many voices today screaming and telling us how we should think and how we should act and what we should do. Lord, let us follow the leading of your spirit. That's what's good and right. And you never go contrary to your word. Lord, I pray that we'd listen to your spirit and discern what the spirit is saying. And we'd be walking in faith and obedience. Lord, keep us all safe as we leave today. Let us take this to heart. Lord, as we prepare to step into this next year, Lord, let it be a year that we determine to follow your spirit and your leading in all circumstances. Lord, you are with us, and you will guide us. You have us in the palm of your hand. We thank you for it, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. We'll see you next Sunday.
1: Thank you.